Welcome to this episode of Why is the World, 18th episode. Uh, I'm your host, Miles, and with me is my co-host, Sevi. Hi, everyone. This podcast seems to introduce you to different cultures, debates, and, I don't know. I... Areas, <laughs> usually you'd say. Well, I'm, I'm learning. Uh, and uh, places around the world, and basically allow us to empathize and kind of sit around the table with the actual people there and learn. So... What is yeah, and hopefully you you will also learn to empathize with people as well. That's that's the aim. So what are we talking about today, Miles? Even though our audience can clearly read the title. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the Congo River, and okay. specifically why is the Congo River so deep? Because a Sevi just looked at me like I can't believe you just want to leave it at Congo River. But you know, as we said, you've got it in front of you. You can hear it. So let's dive right in into the deep end, shall we? Uh, I'd rather not. It's quite deep. <laughs> get get compressed by that pressure. Um, so where is the Congo River, Miles? Uh, so the Congo River is a river in on the continent of Africa. It's probably a lot of people would call it um, sort of. It's almost as central as you could get, I guess, with like a centroid, because mm-hmm. Africa has that. Um, the curve that comes out from the, the, I know it's like the, like the coast with Cote d'Ivoire and um, Ghana and Benin. There, it's around the corner a bit, and it flows um, from the east side to the west side. So it flows out into the, I suppose, Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. Um, and it's below the Sahara and above. Above Angola, almost as well. So it's it's right in the center of Africa. Um, yeah, a good way to think yeah. about it is when you see Africa, you see like kind of desert in the north, desert in the south, and then there's like this big green stripe in the middle, and the Congo uh, kind of drains a lot of that water from that green stripe from that rainforest. Yes, it's the second biggest rainforest in the world. Yeah, and it's the second largest river in terms of like output of water in the world as well. And obviously the first is the Amazon, which drains the other biggest, the actual biggest rainforest. Yes. So in terms of being like um, the planet's lungs, they, I think, and being a carbon sink, the Congo River, I think, is about 8% of the world's carbon stored there. So it is significantly important for the world and this fight against... Uh, carbon being released into the atmosphere Um, but that's a a slight side note but it's uh, obviously going to be a very large basin if it's the second biggest river and we've already spoken about it being the second biggest rainforest Congo rainforest yes the Congo rainforest Um, so the drainage area is uh, 4 million kilometers squared which means absolutely nothing to most of you because it's just a number but Think about it as being twice as big as Alaska in area, or about half of Australia. And to put it into a bit more context, it's an area that's bigger than India. Yeah. So (laughs) it's like India, like Africa's huge, and it's like India's in the middle of it a little bit more, and then that's the whole watershed that goes into the Congo. Yeah, exactly. To summarize. The countries around the area... Are, so we're obviously going to have the two Congos, kind of clues in the name. So we've got the Democratic Republic of the Congo and 
Republic of Republic, the Congo. Republic of the Congo. Uh, so the Republic of Congo is on the northwest side of the the river, and the Democratic Republic of the Congo has the south to the east, but about a third of the way into the the river from the drainage point. Uh, it all is encompassed by the Democratic Republic of the Congo. So think about the, the Democratic Republic of Congo really holds most of it and then borders, it, it forms part of that border for some of the language. And then lots of other countries around Democratic Republic of the Congo have rivers that still go into that same watershed. Yes, um, which is actually quite a nice segue into... I was trying to think of like a catchy name to call this bit. We're going to call it audibly traveling down the river. <laughs> uh, I, I would, I do want to add a few more things before we audibly travel down the river, which is okay. um, how would you describe the shape of the Congo river to give people a better sense of like what it looks like? I mean, so this is the thing with most rivers is that what do you choose as the river itself? Cause you're going to have tributaries into yeah. it. Um, but the, the sort of the core point of the river, I'd say it looks like a, an upside down U, but you could also kind of extend it into being like a sideways S. So I would, the best I came up with was a camel's hump. And I know camels are like for the desert and not the rainforest, but it kind of like goes up over the one hump goes down and then kind of like swings forward a little bit into the Atlantic Ocean, like kind of along the neck of the camel is the best way I could think about it. Do you see it? I do think, yeah, I think that's an awful way of thinking about <laughs> it, but yes. Um, um, and then two more quick facts. The um, It actually crosses the equator twice, so it like goes north, crosses the equator, and then wraps around back down south and crosses it again before going out to the Atlantic. And then here's the crazy one. We talk about how it's the second... Uh, second largest in terms of uh watershed in terms of uh sorry in terms of flow rate um in mm -hmm. the world it dumps 16 olympic swimming pools worth of water into the ocean every second yeah so that gives you kind of a sense like i could give you a number you wouldn't like i, I didn't understand the number at all so that gives you a, a slightly better understanding of how much water this thing really dumps out and it's pretty consistent, too, because it's such a large watershed area. I was going to say, on the consistency as well, with this crossing the equator twice, something that's really cool about that is you actually have... Uh, so normal rainforests and uh, weather patterns would cause you to have a wet and a dry season. Mm -hmm. But because the Congo crosses the equator, when one side of the equator sort of has its dry season, the other one is having its wet season, and then it swaps around for the other half of the year. Oh, so actually, cool. there's never there's never really a it's a very consistent flow rate because it has this. Um, well, it's, there's always it's like a wet a season. There's always a dry season. Yeah. yeah, it's always it's always sort of the same. And I think that's really that's very interesting because it. Uh, we might talk a bit later about um, what it's done to some of the animals around. Mm -hmm. But essentially, the flow rate is pretty constant throughout the... Like, there's no seasonal variation mm -hmm. with the river, whereas, like, the Amazon will have variations. And probably most of the rivers that we have up in the Northern Hemisphere, assuming they haven't been dammed to 
non-existence and all that but naturally they would um really uh, have um there's a word i'm looking for and i can't remember it yeah. so but i'll add you can in, yeah. it's also the southern hemisphere right it's like the idea is toward the poles you get much more variance yeah yes of course it's just that we both live in the northern hemisphere that doesn't mean our audience does anyway uh okay so moving on yeah take us on a auditory visual description journey of going down the river (laughs) young padawan um so actually before we did that i do actually have to clear this up as well i know we're having a little giggle about this um but so the river itself uh, has these tributaries that I think looks kind of like a claw as it comes around. Okay. Uh, because you mentioned it being a hump um, and they have the these other rivers that sort of go into this basin. Um, now, the the main part of the river, the, the Congo River, it becomes another river, which may also be called the Upper Congo. Um, Are you referring the to Lualaba. the... Yeah. Yeah. What we're going to do is we're going to actually find the tributary of the Lualaba River, and then that is where we will begin our our journey. So it's time to sit back, relax, and listen to my. Should, should I really voice. relax on a journey down like a crocodile-infested river? Well, it rises as a small stream called the Chambezi River in the mountains of northeast Zambia near Lake Tanganyika. It has an elevation of about 1,760 meters. It's very beautiful with the mountains around and you're gently going down the stream um, and it begins so peacefully and then it sort of enters this vast savanna. And this is probably where you would actually find some of um, Africa's um, iconic animals uh, in the savannas and the grasslands. And it's just very peaceful and beautiful. And it gradually the river widens and picks up speed. So it's now starting to, to feel like you're making some progress until you enter the Porte d'Offer. And translated, that is the gates of hell. Okay. <laughs> and now you're going through a long canyon of impassable rapids. It's 75 miles long, so 100 kilometers long wow. or more. Um, and is at this point where it really transitions from the Chambezi River into the Lualaba River, where the Lualaba River is largely in the lush tropical rainforest. So you're tumbling through the gates of hell and then it will come out into this. So it sort of does a drop as you go off. A, this is probably where the um, the Rift Valley is. Okay. It'll be just, you know, um, changes in geography will cause it to hit down into the into the rainforest uh, so now we have entered onto the Lualaba river or the upper congo and we can follow this uh, on the east side of the democratic republic of congo heading north and it's uh, once again it's going to be a bit more peaceful um, and it will just meander its way through the tropical rainforests. Um, it's, I think it's fairly wide, but it's, it's uh, 
traveling at uh, medium speed as well. So it's actually quite a nice river at this point. Uh, until Minus we get to all the wildlife. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, or the uh, there's a lot of good wildlife, but minus like there, the, there's definitely like we talk about crocodiles. Um, one traveler uh, related it to like the Everglades in the sense that, um, in terms yeah. of like what it looks like. Yes. Uh, so at that point, um, the Lualaba River ends with. Uh, they call it Stanley Falls, which is a uh, hundred kilometers of uh, rapids again, and this is uh, just before we get to Democratic Republic Congo's second biggest city. The uh, is called Kisangani. Mm -hmm. uh, now Kisangani is also the area of the country where there's a lot of mines, so diamond, um, cobalt. Um, gold um, and this actually attracts a lot of jobs and a lot of people will want to travel to this area to um, for the work however a lot of people do travel by boat up to um, the mines to try and, and it's a very dangerous journey as i'm sure we'll talk about later but that's remember this bit um sevi has his hand up so, oh. yes sevi <laughs> Thank you, teacher. Um, I'll, I'll just add in like tin and copper and tantalum as well to your list. Yes, that's right. Uh, thank you for adding that, Sevi. Uh, uh, Democratic Republic of the Congo is actually, and the Congo River Basin is rich in a lot of um, particularly materials that are interested in for electronics. Mm -hmm. um, so rare earth metals for batteries, that sort of thing. Um, so as we'll, we may talk about later, but just to make it clear at the moment, uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo has uh, quite a bit of an issue with corruption and exploitation, and they also unfortunately have a history of exploitation on the, I was going to say the wrong end of the stick. I mean, both are wrong. One is ethnically wrong and one is yeah. um, actually not fair sort of thing. And, and they've ended up on that side um, too many times and arguably continues today with exploitation for rare earth materials and a lot of those rare earth materials the ones that we haven't mentioned like another some other big ones are timber but also rubber is like uh historically especially around colonization wow um so well, you, you talk about the belgian free state yeah. yeah so exploitation there was the belgian free state but even before that there was a lot of uh colonization and exploitation and then nowadays it's more in the form of dictatorships and um under their own rule and large capitalist conglomerates but yeah they they like to pretend anyway so uh we take uh we, we finish stopping off at uh kisangani for a bit of a bite to eat and a and a stop and now we're going to be back on our way on this audible journey along the Congo River. So now we're in a uh, part of the river called the Middle Congo and this is that sort of that arc of the the camel's hump that Sevi so eloquently described. The top. Yes. Uh, so going over the hump this is the middle section, Middle Congo. And we left it with Stanley Falls um, and then into Kinsagani where um, we we continue and the the river actually slows down and it gets uh, arguably even more peaceful 
but it actually almost comes to um, it just flows all the way down uh, it goes past uh, Bandaki as well uh, and it will continue flowing at this sort of easy pace this is why it's the middle Congo it's a it's the the nicer bit of the river now we say nicer in terms of the flow rate and the navigability of it however there are sandbanks there are shipwrecks and there are uh, rocks as well uh, so it is still a very dangerous place to to navigate with um, many ships and there's, there's no clear courses cut through the river for you to um, like a lot of rivers and seaways will have designated zones where it's okay for ships to travel they don't have that here so um, it does come down to the experience of the captains so it's more chaotic yes okay. and then to give you a sense like the flow rate's constant it's like how does it slow down like it just gets a lot wider so it like it can get as wide as nine miles or 14 and a half kilometers in some areas and like you said just lazy and constant constant and slow Yes, uh, and then we actually um, that continues all the way to uh, the capital city, mm -hmm. which is uh, just before you we go to there. Do you know what the Middle Congo, that more lazy part, what they call it? They have a, tell a term, so they call it cuvette. So okay. French is a uh, the kind of language of governance and education, other things, and kind of the shared language in. Democratic Republic of the Congo and cuvette is French for like saucer or shallow bowl um, so that kind of gives you a sense of like what we've already been discussing <laughs> yes and I'll add one more thing like the town of Congolo which is just a small town to give you a sense it's like got rusted barges all over the place with trees growing out of them um, there was like one traveler found a warehouse full of steam engines that like hadn't been used in decades and yeah they're rusted rusted and like but they're still like it's not like they've been taken apart and used for scrap it's like they're still just sitting there multiple and it gives you a sense of like we talk we allude a little bit to the um the uh dictatorships and such like the mobutu dictatorship and criminal reign and how basically they like cut off the trade routes and other things to like create more wealth um for for like the dictatorship as opposed to um, the country itself. Thank you. And now we uh, we come into, so we mentioned it getting wider and slowing down. And then uh, just before we get to Brazzaville and Kinshasa, the capitals of the Congos, um, where Brazzaville is the capital of the Republic of the Congo and Kinshasa is the capital of the Democratic Republic of the Congo, um, it gets very wide and it gets to uh 20 miles wide in parts and this is called uh malibu malibu pool amazing how close that is to malibu but I, we shouldn't say yeah. that it's spelled um, completely differently though. yeah um but the the river goes as we say super wide so 20 miles that's uh it's 32 kilometers wide and uh, it's here that uh, Kinshasa and Brazzaville are on opposite sides of the river at the end of this pool. Um, and then after Kinshasa, we again, we stop some food and and hear the hustle and bustle of the big city. Um, although um, uh, now the harbour is um, 
there there are big machines there to lift all the freight and stuff but most of them are derelict and disused now um because times um don't support that anymore those were built during a lot more of the colonial and exploitation eras that we've spoken about so now a lot of things done by hand and it's it's booming with population and people shouting and there's boats going all over the place like before i mentioned there's no real there's no sea law there's no maritime law there's no river laws there so boats are just colliding into each other in the harbors and people are arguing to get away and uh, it's this cacophony of sound but we're going to just sail past that and we're actually you'd think we're going to go into a nice peaceful decline into perhaps all this this river delta but no we follow the uh, the piece of the pool going down to Livingston Falls which is 220 miles of rapids and cataracts there are 32 cataracts and the the cataracts? final 100 yes uh, it's uh, basically like a waterfall with great volumes of water okay so it's like a short, big dump. Yes. Okay. So it's like a, a drop, like a vertical yeah. drop. And to think about these, like they call them falls. This isn't a waterfall. It's, it's a, like you said, it's a lot more like a steady rapids that go down. But in terms of like the rate it goes down, it's quite extraordinary how like steep it is for a river nearing the Atlantic Ocean. Yes. And then the final 100 miles to the Atlantic Ocean from the end of the falls is uh, fully navigable, is what they say. So it's like more mangroves and like uh, right by the water, and then also like more delta. I think it is quick, isn't it? It is quick at that yeah. point. Yeah. Um, so. So thank you for the ASMR journey. <laughs> I I tried. We'll we'll warm up. We'll see what happens uh, next next episode. But uh, I'll I'll get better at my audible journeys. Yes. Um. No, it definitely applies to this episode. Um, yeah, no, that, and you can call those like falls, like the Stanley pool, the lower Congo, it's technically like a small percentage of the whole, um, journey. Let's put it that way. Um, but it is a huge part of it because it answers our question. Um, oh, and also we have to come back to the obvious, like we can't skip this fact cause I'm surprised you didn't catch it. What is really interesting about uh, Brazzaville and Kinshasa. They are the two closest capitals, like proximity uh, to each other. They're the two closest capitals, with second place being. Oh, I don't know what second place would be. It's Vienna and Bratislava. Okay. Um. Yes. Yeah, so Brazzaville and Kinshasa yeah. are the two closest capitals. They sit opposite the yep. river bank to each other. So, in most big cities, we have the city's on predominantly one side of the river and then we have like a second part of the city that's like the second part of that city being another capital of another country and they're both like some of the if not the largest one of the largest cities in those countries although they both are the largest aren't they i i would argue that it's probably the second closest capital cities uh in the world if you don't but you probably the should Vatican, count Vatican that right? City and Rome because Vatican City is kind of like inside Rome. Um, but yeah, um, if you don't count that, because uh, I would, yeah, I don't count it, but we should mention it. We'll see if Sevi counts it when we do that episode. But yeah, <laughs> well, Vatican City is, I would argue, that's a country. But like, giving it its own capital, the country, it's like 
It's more of a country than a capital, if that makes sense. Is the way my head goes. Okay, anyway. So, let's talk about the uh, falls. So, they're also called Inga Falls, um, as well as Livingston Falls. And So, this is the falls after Kinshasa and Brazzaville yeah. as and, we go down towards... And you can think of that slow area that you talked about before it, like, goes... It's, it's almost like a lake in some ways. It's a pool, right? It's... it's it, Yes, it's like a river and it's still flowing, but it like kind of like just like a dam like sends the water down a little narrow part at the very end. It kind of the the earth naturally forms somewhat of a dam, but instead imagine the dam has the hole at the top of the dam instead. Um, and then it starts to send water down. And to give you kind of a sense of the difference when it's going on that lazy part, um, it's going at about. Uh, one foot drop per mile or 20 centimeters per kilometer. Um, however, when it gets to the Inga Falls, um, it's much closer, in the lower Congo, it's much closer to 12 feet per mile. So it's 12 times higher or 223 centimeters per kilometer. Um, and it gets really narrow in some spots. We talk about narrow goes faster. It gets as narrow as up to five Olympic-sized pools, like end-to-end. Um, which you're like, oh, that's like, that's so wide. It's like, but you forget, this is like the second largest river in terms of discharge in the world. So to that, it's not very wide. Um, and basically it's going so down so quickly that it picks up sediment and doesn't have time to rest it down, such as the wider areas of the river. Um, so as it rockets down this slope, like in on its way into the ocean to get to the ocean quickly, it's picking up sediment and just taking it with it into the ocean. And yeah. that mm-hmm. creates depth. Pre- because it causes the erosion all yeah. the time. It's like having like sandpaper being like pushed all the way down continuously because there's so much water. Yeah. Or think all of the little bits of sediment. Think about a sandbox and you're spraying a water hose at it. It kind of creates a channel, right? A groove in the sand as it as you spray it. Um, I'm trying to think of another example. Um but yeah, it's just that that slow, that fast moving water, like it, it, it doesn't have time. The sand swirls up into it as a, or the dirt or the whatever rock, as opposed to going down. And as we all know, water is a force that like it, it wins with time. Right. And so with time, this has dug out a channel and they geologists think that this, the river actually used to just end at the stand at the pool, at the Malebo pool or Stanley pool. Um, and now it kind of has broken through and created this channel, not like pretty recently in terms of geological history. Half a million years ago. Okay. That doesn't sound recent, but that is pretty recent in geological time frame. And therefore it's like over those, that time frame, it has cut this really deep channel. Yes. Um, it could be the largest waterfall by in the world by volume if you consider it a waterfall as opposed to maybe like falls or rapids. But it still it still doesn't make a delta. So mo- most most rivers end in a delta. Mm-hmm. So that's like a river comes out to a what a flatter piece of land and just and spreads out mm-hmm. um, as sort of as wide as it can go. And I wonder whether do we think like in future it will cut a, a new delta below the pools maybe. I think definitely at the bottom it'll cut more of a delta. The way I've learned it through geology is that if the river is moving quickly, it's more likely to be straight. And so if you think about like streams through mountains, right, like straight, whereas like once it meanders more, it cuts or and goes slower. It actually creates more of those uh, really big bends 
because the water kind of like pushes up against one side and then the other side and creates like, and then over time it creates like multiple channels and you, and gets wider and mm. basically it'll cut itself off sometimes when it gets like into a too much of an arc. Yeah. Um, Oxbow bends yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Exactly. And on, yeah. which leave Oxbow lakes. But the, the point is a Delta is basically that, it happens so often and it uh, has happened for so long that it creates more of a fan out towards yeah. the final mm. body of water. So, so I think like a way to think of this is that it's sort of where Kinshasa and Brazzaville are. It's almost like a cliff face, but yeah. extended, extended out a bit. Um, and that's, you know, if you wanted to think about what may answer the question, but um, like there's that unique geological um a factor like it's kind of like a cleft. Um, there's some things that we haven't really meant. We've, we've sort of been answering the question, but should we answer with like some numbers, or is that what you're referring to, or what it looks like? Yeah, we, we've we, we've we haven't actually considered how deep it is. Yeah. So the numbers that we got, and again, these are being updated continuously. Um, is the de they have found deaths in excess of 220 meters or 720 feet. And you may ask, Sevi, what does that mean? And I will tell you. So that would have the Eiffel Tower just peeking above the surface of the river to give you a sense of how deep it is. The Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another think way to think about it is it's like one and another third of the Washington Monument. And that would cause it to like stick up above. I'll pretend I know what the Washington Monument is, but the Eiffel Tower is tall. I know yeah. that. Yeah, I felt I'm um, giving different audiences different references. Um, so the fun, funny thing about that is we've said that 220 in excess of that's actually quite important into this. We don't really know how deep the river is, which you know a lot of people would probably be like, well, why don't you just like stick something down it and just <laughs> see see how it is, or at least like scan it. But the thing is. It's so dark down there. They they can't really get the full scan scanning equipment. There's just and the the water moves so fast at this point that they they can't like scan it properly to understand what's actually happening down there. And so it's I don't they've got to get better equipment to actually find out how deep it is. And if you think about like the way they used to measure like the depths of the ocean, for instance, because these are like more like ocean depths than river depths is they would just, oh, put a weight on a string, stick it down, measure the length of the string. And actually, most people don't know, but they got a really good estimate for the the depth of the Marianas tre Trench just using this method. Um, and like they ended up eventually like sending submarines and other things and like having specific radar to measure it. But and they were able to get a little deeper with that. But overall, like maybe one percent, like not very much. Whereas with this, it's like you send the stick down or the, um, the like, it's just going to flow out, right? Like, it's not reasonable at all. Um, you can imagine like a cartoon just uh, put it in. It's like drifted out to sea. Like, yeah, this it, thing's... Uh... If you put like a 20 pound weight, it's probably still going to be on the surface. This thing's moving so quickly. Um, but the point is the best uh, radar and using like satellites has been able to determine this 220 meters as of now. Um, and that's also, it's actually using more like the equipment of geology to measure the like land. And that's how they're figuring out how deep it is. But again, like a, we're still developing the technology and other things to get better estimates. Yeah. Uh, a bit more of a sad truth about it as well is that um, 
the Democratic Republic of Congo doesn't have a lot of uh, money or influence. So that may be another reason why they don't have the best equipment to look at how deep it is, because it's not a priority, um, which is um, not so good. Um, just to give an idea of what this depth causes, as I said, we'd speak a little bit about the um, the animals. Um, and uh, there is a type of fish uh, that used to live on the Congo River and has separated into two populations. So the two populations have now evolved into different species mm -hmm. at the same point on the river, but on different sides. And they, just, they live in isolation and they cannot cross because the... the um, the flow force of the yeah wow. the flow rate is so fast um and it was actually the congo river that caused the bonobo and chimpanzee separation oh as well. wow um so that separated the two populations so they evolved differently so the congo river has also been uh, a reason for creating these unique species which uh continues uh to this day where we have a lot of is it endemic en species yeah so endemism Exactly. Yeah. So what is that? Uh, so it's uh, where a species lives, like it's the only species around, isn't it? Yeah. So it's like so, when a species lives somewhere and they're, they're not anywhere else on earth, right? They're just in that yeah. one area. Mm -hmm. And so like the flora and fauna in this deep area of the river are endemic or are, are, yeah. Yes. And, and some other examples of that are the African manatee. Mm -hmm. So when we think about the, the Everglades, you would usually think about like the manatees in in the US, yeah, in but Florida. actually they have a, 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 an African manatee as well. They have lots of other sort of other different sorts of fish and crocodiles, insects and uh, birds as well. And this is the highest rate of endemism in the world is in the lower Congo River um, in its depths. So like highest and they probably haven't even discovered all the species, but as of now, in current science, it, it has the most endemic species. Yeah. Um, I have one really, a few more facts that really give you a sense of how fast and how big this river is and how deep and all this rest. Um, they've contemplated, because humans do this, um, putting up a dam or other things to like basically control this vast flow because it's almost a perfect geological a uh, place to put a dam because it's already kind of built there. You just cap it off and you could potentially like gain There's massive so much amounts energy of power. with that. Yeah. And, and let me tell you how much energy is because it is ridiculous. So um, if they built a dam, they could get um, 40 gigawatts of power from this operation. So 40 gigawatts, all 40 doesn't sound like a big number. Let me tell you what 40 gigawatts means. So um, Niagara gets 2.5 gigawatts um, in its current dam. Um, the largest dam in the world is 22.5. That's the Three Gorges Dam in uh, China. Okay, now let's think about cities, how much power cities use. London uses 4.5 gigawatts. A year. No, so it's watts. So it's like per second, right? Um, yeah. Okay. Sorry. So, yeah. No, yeah. you're good. Mm -hmm. This dam would produce 40 gigawatts, so it could basically, like, almost nine Londons could be powered with this dam. Um, to give you another sense, like, LA County is 2.9 gigawatts versus 40 again. So, 
it, it's kind it's kind of ridiculous. It's more comparable to powering a whole country. Yeah, than, and and, and um, not a small country, like a, a, a quite substantial country. Like dare I say it, the Democratic Republic <laughs> of the Congo, and more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in terms of its location, like you said, it's right by the capital, the largest city. Um, it yeah, geographically, it's it's pretty good. Okay. Anyway, that's my gargantuan fact of the day. Okay. So, so why is it so deep? Are we just recapping? Well, I don't know if we've fully covered why it is. I feel deep. like we talked about why it's deep. It's it's like you picks up about the, the sediment. sediment, pushing it away. Yeah. yeah, and so it just digs deeper and deeper, and therefore, anyway, the, you don't. So I think I think it's more maybe. Uh, we've had like the two season impact of it as well. Like it's not just about having that one thing down the bottom. It's it's probably a multitude of these factors that's sort of created this perfect storm, including how the geology was half a million years ago where it just ended in a pool and it's only recently broken through and the fact that the congo rainforest is quite high up and therefore when it all does drain it actually doesn't have an easy way to get to the ocean because it's kind of still on a plateau of sorts um yeah and therefore when it does break through it basically it, almost all rivers have like a profile that is um, like a skateboard ramp, right? So it starts steep yeah. and then goes shallow and then just ends right into the water. And it's weird because this river, it's the same thing, but at the very end, it also just drops like considerably. And like yeah. that is unique to mo rivers in general around the world because over time the river will cut it away and basically create us, uh, basically create that perfect. Um, uh, skateboard ramp like all rivers eventually like they trend towards that and this one is huge and hasn't quite gotten there and therefore creates this really huge deep area in its quest to do that it's probably a good way of putting it. quest <laughs> so that's a wrap on episode number 18 why is the congo so deep yes and please don't forget to subscribe to our let's Instagram and TikTok. Yay. We have a TikTok account. Go Miles. Applause. A bit more. Come on, enthusiasm. <laughs> um, yes. So, uh, yeah, that's at, at podcast. Why is the world all lowercase? Um, please join. You'll get a bit of extra um, stuff. So we're now recording this in 2022. This year is going to be this year is going to be bigger. It's going to be better. We've got so much stuff lined up for you guys it's going to be amazing um and uh please don't forget to review us on apple podcasts yes please review us on apple podcasts that's the best thing you can do um after subscribing so that you get every next episode so as they yes, and go ahead <laughs> as they say in the democratic republic of the congo au revoir au revoir <laughs>